Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Shabbat Passover sermon by Rabbi Gordon Bernat Kunin. As a gluten-free family, for me, Passover seders are a taste of the world to come. <laughs> At the end of every seder, I lament the fact, since I love sedarim, that there are only two. To be honest, three would be preferable, and eight would be just right. Two is kind of like clearing your throat. By the end of the second Seder, I start thinking about what could we get into next year. So I want to set this up a little bit for next year. Um, First, holidays for me, like the Parshiot, are the spiral curriculum of the Jewish people. Each year when you return, you have another opportunity to deepen your connection to the meaning of that holiday. And every holiday for me has a past, a present, and a future. The past is what we remember. For Pesach, we remember the liberation from Egypt. The present is what we celebrate or what we commemorate. That for Pesach is preparing, gathering together, eating matzah, engaging in the Seder. But the future is far more difficult to define. For me, it's the imperative of the holiday. The claim it makes upon you, the challenge it gives you, the demand it makes of you. Put another way, every one of the holidays, when you try and figure out what is its purpose, it's asking you, what is it that we are trying to grow into? Each holiday frames a set of burning questions. It gives us the source for debate, and it presents values that are in tension with one another. So what is the future of Pesach? What is its claim? So let's step back and think about the tensions within the Seder. There's the tension between the physical versus the spiritual slavery, between the personal and the collective Egypt, between the particular and the universal theme and between the role of the human versus the divine in redemption. While we modern Jews have a predilection for getting into the personal aspect, what is my own private Mitzrayim? We, at the same time, want to hold the tension between going inward and going outward thinking about our personal challenges and our collective responsibilities. So I would say when we look outward, the question could be posed as, how do we work together as a community, as a people, to overcome oppression, slavery, and injustice? So I want to start by quoting a a brief passage from Michael Walzer's classic book, Exodus and Revolution. And he says, we still believe, or at least many of us do, 
what the Exodus first taught. Three things. First, that wherever you live, it is probably Egypt. Second, that there is a better place, a more attractive world, some kind of promised land. And finally, that the way to that land has to be through the wilderness. There is no way to get from here to there, he says, but by joining together. We could look at each of those three pieces together during a Seder and say, well, what is he actually talking about? What does that mean? It's pro- wherever you live, it's probably Egypt or there's some better promised land. And how do we get through that wilderness? So I want to turn now to our Parsha. And it starts off and it says that when Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't take them by the way of the Philistines. Instead, although it was nearer to go to the Philistines, God thought the people might have a change of heart when they see war and they'll go back to Egypt. So God led them on the roundabout path by the way of the wilderness at the Sea of Reeds. So I just want to share a few commentaries on this. First, I want to say that the Rambam, Maimonides, when he looks at this in the Guide for the Perplexed, he says, he quotes our passage, and he says it's impossible for a person or people to make a sudden transition from one opposite to the other. He says, we just aren't capable of abandoning suddenly everything that we're used to. So God understands the souls of God's creatures. And I love this phrase, God brings God's wisdom or wily graciousness. He says it's a divine ruse. It's a way of conditioning the Israelites to get from one way of being in the world to another way. And he says that's the only way to go. So that you start with sacrifices because that's the world they live in. And you work, you limit that, you focus that, then you work towards prayer. But he says ultimately prayer will become meditation. But you can't jump from the time of sacrifices to meditation. You have to evolve naturally. If you look at what Rashi says on this key karofu, Rashi says that the reason that they couldn't go directly the route of the Philistines was because it would leave open a route to go back to Egypt. And that people have this natural tendency to go back to what they know. And when you think about it, right after the Song of the Sea that we heard so beautifully chanted today, all of a sudden, the people are quetching. They want the water. They want food. It's probably, I'm joking, the basis by which the fifth question at the Seder is always, when do we eat? They wanted those flesh plots, the, the flesh pots of Egypt. Okay, so Rashi says, you can't, you, you can't go away that's too close to what you know. And then, if you look at the Mechilta on Beshalach, the Mechilta says something quite opposite. The Mechilta says they couldn't go straight from Egypt into the land. Why? 
because it would be too easy for them, here I'm reading, if I bring Israel now to the land immediately, they will seize their land in vineyards and be idle from Torah. Rather, I will make them wander the wilderness for 40 years so they will eat manna and drink from the water of the well, and Torah will be absorbed into their bodies. So they can't go from one extreme to the other. They need a process by which they develop the sense of gratitude, the sense of interdependency, the sense of that it isn't this notion of kochi v'otsam yadi, that my strength and the force of my hand got me all of this. They need to kind of reconstitute their nature slowly in order to be able to live in the land. So let me finish with one of my favorite modern Jewish philosophers, Rabbi Yitz Greenberg. And what Rabbi Yitz Greenberg says, he wrote this beautiful little essay called The Covenant. And in this essay, he says, look, here's the goal of the covenant. The goal of the Jewish people is perfection. He says, what is perfection? Perfection, he takes it from a Mishnah in Sanhedrin. He says, perfection is that every single human being someday will be treated in the image of God as infinitely valuable, unique, and equal. That's the goal. And if you look at the origin, the origin is the leaving from Egypt. Because it not only shows the Jewish people the possibility of liberation, but for him it's a promise that eventually all people will be able to leave Egypt. So that's the origin, that's the goal, and the question is how do you get there? And just quickly, he says, here's three ways that you don't get there. Okay, the first way, he says, is if you live in this world as if perfection is already here, you will be swallowed up by the forces of evil. If you have such a Pollyanna perspective on life that God will get us there, that won't happen. You will end up never leaving Egypt, I would say, and you will never cross over the Reed Sea. Secondly, he says, if you try and change the world overnight, either first you will be overcome by inertia, by reactionary forces. In the present, people will never allow you to do that. They'll bring all of their force against you. On the other hand, let's say you try all at once to change this world. He says, let's say you succeed. Then you will become destructive, totalitarian, and inhuman. In essence, you will have become Pharaoh in order to escape from Pharaoh. So he says the way to get there is the covenant. And the covenant is a gradual way, a partnership way between people in the community, between generations, between Jews and non-Jews. And it's a steady way of fulfilling the principles of getting out of Egypt. For him, it's a progressive halakha that keeps having to be refined and refined over time. So I just wanted to finish with this as, for me, the subject, I hope, of next year's Passover Seder. 
Um, and I just wanted to say that we are blessed to have an extraordinary spiral curriculum. We've got some time to think about how we're going to get out of Egypt a little bit more each year, how we can navigate the wilderness, how we redeem the brokenness as individuals, as a community, as a people, and as a society. Pesach, believe it or not, I know this is scary, is coming. It's never too late or early to start preparing for the next Seder. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.